tonight we just want to talk about um i just want to talk about kind of how we feel during this lockdown even though we've talked about it a thousand times but just kind of we kind of feel oppressed like we just came out of um well we're still in the world's longest lockdown we've won the record that nobody wanted to win um in melbourne of the world's longest lockdown um and that's an oppressive feeling i feel like i can't move i feel like i can't see my friends um i can't travel i can't meet new people i can't go and see my family overseas um i can't go for a bike ride more than 15k's um i can't exercise for more than a certain period of time i can't breathe properly because of the mask that's on my face um all those different things i can't go shopping i can't go to a restaurant i can't, you know it feels oppressive it feels like somebody's kind of pushing these walls um around me and it feels um oppressive uh, there's a vaccine do i take it do i not do i have to take it um you know i can't even go to church i can't so it it feels um oppressive but the bible talks about um oppression um a little bit differently so that's really i just want to give us a little bit of perspective tonight on what um oppression from the bible's perspective actually is and how we we deal with that and how we look at um our lives in melbourne in the world today um compared to everything else that's happened in the bible and in history before us and some of the things that are going to happen during our lifetime and and after us as well so that um we know how to how to handle the time that we're in and and how to actually shine um a light through it to people who are struggling around us as well how to live the way that um we're called to live during this time but before we do any of that let's just pray um and um and get into it tonight Lord we just thank you that um your promise to us is that you will never leave us or forsake us Lord that no matter what happens Lord um your word remains Lord um and you're the one who's on the throne you're the king um and we follow you Lord we follow you we don't look at anything or anyone else Lord we just pray that you'd lift our eyes up um to you tonight that you'd um give us a different perspective Lord and that um you'd help us to to move forward during this time representing you well in Jesus name amen um i just want to read you guys a verse so maybe steve <coughs> will help me out he'll share his screen and just pull up some of these verses so that we can we can read them together amazing steve can i get you to look up um second corinthians from verse 5 uh sorry um chapter 4 verse 5 yeah from verse 5 for what we proclaim is not ourselves but Jesus Christ as lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus sake for god who said let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of god in the face of jesus christ but we have this treasure in jars of clay 
to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. Those jars of clay that he's talking about are our weak, fallible human bodies. Um, we are afflicted, oppressed in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. And if you go to verse 14, it says this, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. I love this bit here. We're afflicted, in verse 8, we're afflicted in every way. That, and, I'll, and I'll explain why he feels this way and why he's speaking this way. We're afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. So not all the way. We're perplexed. We're so confused, but we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken by Christ. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Um, and the reason he's talking this way, you'll see the current, the, the, the circumstances that they were living in, um, in that time. But however bad it got for them, um, his eyes were on Jesus. He was like, we're dying daily and eventually we're going to die completely, but that's going to bring us life. We have life in Jesus and whatever they do to us in this life, they can never take us away from him and we're looking at him. So it's like, I want to I explain to you what real oppression is, okay? Um, real oppression is to live in darkness. Um, real oppression is to not know Jesus. Real oppression is to be a slave to your sin and a slave to Satan and a slave to this world um, and to not be able to, to escape that. That's real oppression, right? Look at what... Um, what he's saying here. He's saying um, in verse six, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We've had that light of Christ shine in our hearts and we've been set free from our sins by having that light be shone in our hearts, by seeing who Jesus really is and submitting to him and what he's done and accepting what he's done for us on the cross. That's that light that shines in our hearts, but the rest of the world hasn't had that light shine in their heart and they're living in darkness. That is the real oppression for us as Christians, whatever this life throws at us, we know that we never face it alone. And that's what this passage is saying, right? And no matter how hard it gets, it will always be better and it will always be easier than living lost and living away from God. So why do Christians get persecuted and oppressed? Um, that's what oppression's like. That's what real oppression is. But why do we get persecuted and oppressed? Um, Steve, can you open John three from verse sixteen? John three sixteen, the the one that everybody knows. Um, I just want to show you guys what comes after John three sixteen as well. Um, yeah. So if you scroll down, there you go. Look at this. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. We all know this bit, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the son of the only son of God. And this, and this is the bit, this is the kicker. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. Remember, Jesus light has come into the world, who he is, what he's done, what he offers us as human beings, relationship with God has come into the world. And the people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and doesn't come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This is the reason why Christians um, or people who follow God in general, whether they were Jews in the Old Testament um, or even before the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, all the way to now, um, because the world is in darkness and it loves that darkness, right? If you go to someone and you shine a light into their dark cave and they don't want to see what's in it, they don't want to look at themselves, they don't want to change, um, they love the way that they're living, they don't want to hear that they're wrong, they don't want to hear that there's a different way of doing things, they don't want to hear that there's a God um, who judges or offers them a way of escape, that there's a heaven and a hell. No, I want to live my life the way that I want to live it. Who are you to tell me anything um, about that? I, I, I'm happy with my darkness. I want to stay here. I don't want to see anything different. I don't ever want to change. Because if you see that light, it's going to change you. And you're going to have to change in response to it. You're going to have to come to Jesus and repent and move in a different direction. And if I am happy where I am in my sin and in my darkness, I don't want that. And so if you keep shining that light in my face, I'm going to want to shut you up or remove that light or move you out of my way um, as much as I can. So I can maintain my little bubble of darkness because I want to stay there. Um, I don't want to come into the light because I love the evil that I'm in. Um, so that's why Christians get persecuted. Um, and that's why they've always been persecuted, because we carry a light that goes against everything that the world lives by, um, that goes against the ways of the world, that goes against sin, that goes against um, the way that Satan has set up his kingdom on this earth. We come from a different kingdom. And so everything that we do and the way that we live is completely the opposite of how everybody else in the world lives, and it bothers and irritates them. Um, so that's why people will persecute us who don't know Jesus, who don't want to know Jesus. They'll push against us as much as they possibly can, because they're not actually pushing against us. They're pushing against him. Um, the world and its systems will rage against God's will and his ways, and they'll fight him because they're blinded by their own sin, and it's been that way since day one. Check this out. Luke 11, um, from verse 47, this is what Jesus says. Um, this isn't a recent thing when ISIS came around and they started um, oppressing Christians. No, this has been going on much, 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 much longer than that. Um, look at this. Um, from verse 47, if you guys can see that. Woe to you. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees here, and he says, For you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers. For they killed them, and you build their tombs. Um, from verse 49, Therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, 
some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world. So this isn't from ISIS. This is from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. Look at how far back this goes from the blood of Abel. Abel, the first person to be murdered ever in the world. Um, Abel came and offered God a sacrifice the way that God asked for a sacrifice to be offered to him. Um, and Cain brought a sacrifice according to his human wisdom. Um, he brought the best of what he has, but it had nothing to do with God's way. Um, and God didn't accept his sacrifice, but he accepted Abel's. Um, and in his fury, um, Cain murders his brother in the field. Um, and so, again, there is God's way. Um, and when that's lived out, um, it exposes the wrong way. And when somebody is shown to be wrong there and they don't, they don't want to be shown the right way, they'll take whatever measures they can to shut up any thought of the right way entering their mind because they don't want it. All the way from Abel to the blood of Zechariah who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Um, this has been going on for a really, really, really long time. Um, I want you guys to know what kind of conditions um, the apostles were living in when they were writing these letters to the churches and, and the Bible is saying we're, you know, we're persecuted, we're crushed, but not abandoned. We're, you know, we're, we're just smashed, but we're still standing because Christ is, is keeping us standing, right? Um, Jesus made a promise. He said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And it doesn't matter what's come against the church since the day that Jesus rose again. Um, we've been persecuted. We've been hunted. We've been killed, but we've continued, right? Um, if Christianity had ended, it would have ended. They would have just rounded everybody up and, and killed them. And um, there was so much fear and so much suffering that Nobody in their right mind would want to become a Christian. And yet Christianity increased more in those times and in any other time. And it's still going on um, today. So what am I talking about? What was it like to actually follow Christ and give him everything, right? Paul describes what that's like for us in his own life. He just tells us his own experience. Um, Steve, if you can open 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and we'll go from verse 21. Okay, check this out. Paul's telling us what it was like. We all love Paul, right? We're like, man, the apostle Paul, he wrote like half the New Testament. Paul's awesome. Everybody wants to be like Paul. Nobody wants to live Paul's life. Nobody wants to live the kind of life that made Paul who he was, right? And following Jesus wholeheartedly to the point of going through what you're about to read, right? Um. From verse 21, he says, to my shame, I must say we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool. So it's like, I'm going to be an idiot for a minute here and just boast to you the way that people in the world boast, right? I'm going to be arrogant for a second and just explain to you what I've been through. Um, but I'm, I'm speaking like a fool, right? Um, and he's saying this, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman, but I have far greater labors 
far more imprisonments with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. I explained this a long time ago in a message. It was 40 minus one because at 40, most people died, right? That's, that happened to Paul five times. It says three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people. Danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from all of these things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Aretas was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. But I was let down in a basket through the window in the wall and escaped his hands. This is wild, right? Paul wasn't even like... Um, Paul still had a, a while to go in his life. And this is what had happened to him so far. Um, in following Jesus, and he's just one guy, okay? Um, so when we talk about um, oppression in the Bible, um, it's that following Jesus has a cost, um, but that following Jesus is still so worth that cost um, that people are willing to go through this because Jesus matters so much more to them than what's going to happen to them in their actual life. And that's so easy to say if you're just speaking or preaching, but this is what the 12 disciples went through. This is what um, the apostles went through um, after, after Jesus was raised and they went and started preaching the gospel. Most of them died horrible, horrible death. Um, some of them were flayed to death with a whip, okay, until they bled to death. Um, some of them were impaled with spears. Some of them were crucified upside down. Some of them were beheaded. Some of them were thrown off high towers. Um, some of them were stoned to death. Some of them were fed to the lions. Um, in um, AD 68, so 30 something years um, after Jesus' resurrection, um, there was an emperor named Nero who was um, just insane. There was a huge fire in AD 68 um, that burnt down a huge chunk of Rome. Um, and some historians say that Nero started it himself, but he blamed it on the Christians. And what does he do to punish the Christians? He rounds up as many as they can, um, and he burns them alive for burning the city um, alive. Some of them were fed to the lions in the Colosseums and in the games. Um, some of them were boiled in oil. Some of them were sawn, sawn in two, um, and that's how they died, right? And all of these people, went to their death, not denouncing Christ, um, not giving up being Christians. They went to their deaths willingly um, and happily embracing the fact that they were about to meet Jesus. Um, that's such a crazy, crazy challenge to me of like, not everybody's Christian life is going to look like this and is going to be full of this kind of 
um, real persecution and oppression and somebody holding a gun, genuinely holding an actual gun to your head and saying, deny Jesus or I'm going to pull this trigger on you or your family um, or, or, or whoever. Um, to honestly stand there and say, my relationship with God is so precious to me that nothing you could ever do to me um, would ever make me leave him or, or um, say anything against him or turn away from following him. Do whatever you want, but Jesus is mine forever and I'm not going anywhere and he's not leaving me. Um, that's how most followers of Jesus have lived from then till now. Um, I, I want to read you just to, to, to show you a little bit more of that. Um, Hebrews 11, which is the, the faith hall of fame, right? Um, Steve, if you can open Hebrews 11, start from verse 32. Um, check this out. And it says this, and what more shall I say? It's talking about the faith of men and women um, across the biblical time from the Old Testament all the way to his day. Um, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. And here's the thing. He stops there and then he turns, right? He's still talking about faith. He's like, through faith, some of these men were able to do these amazing things by obeying God and following him faithfully. And by that same faith, here is a list of people who were willingly able to go through this because of that same faith. Here we go. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect, right? The story isn't finished and the rewards haven't been handed out yet because we're still going and that final day hasn't come. And Jesus said he's commending them for their faith in the Old Testament and in the New Testament and us. But they're not going to receive their reward without us because we're still going to live our lives for Jesus. And if we live them faithfully, we get put into that same list with them. You can see the highs and the lows, but both of them were able to go through that by faith. Um, in more recent times, um, in Russia, in the 1930s and 40s, um, the Soviet Union was in power and any threat to the ideology of, to the ideas of the Soviet Union, the Soviet Union basically became a religion. So they banned and outlawed um, all other religion and Christians kept meeting underground. Um, so the government sent KGB agents um, to infiltrate these churches and find out where they were meeting in secret in people's homes and things like that. Um, and they would send soldiers in um, and they would basically say, whoever wants to end this and deny this religion, 
um, and never practice it again, you can leave this room. Whoever is not willing to do that, um, stay in this room and face your death. And um, imagine, right? Somebody barged into um, Mulgrave while we're all meeting there and saying, hey, um, they're carrying AK-47s and they're saying, everybody line up against the wall. There are kids, there are women, there are men, um, there are old people. And they say, um, the, the, the crime that you're committing, um, the, the penalty of that is death. Um, so if you want to escape that death, then you're going to renounce Jesus and walk out that door and never be here again. Um, if you're not going to renounce this Jesus, then stay where you are and, and face what's coming to you. And then I've always wondered what would happen in that situation if that really did happen to us, because that really did happen to those people. Um, some left and many, many stayed. Um, and they were lined up against that wall and they were shot. Um, and there's a testimony of two of the guards who went one night and they infiltrated um, one of these meetings um, and they saw how many people stayed and looked them in the eye and smiled and still loved them in that moment as they were about to shoot them to death. And those two soldiers who went to do that work um, couldn't. They started talking to those people standing up against that wall waiting to be shot and asked them what would be so worth getting shot over. And those two soldiers became Christians um, in Russia. Um, Christians in Germany who sought to help the Jews um, while they were being rounded up and sent to the concentration camps got killed with them or rounded up to the concentration camps um, with them. Um, there's an amazing story of a woman named Corey Ten Boom who hid, um, I can't remember how many Christians, how many Jews um, in her house during that time. But if anybody is into that period of history, um, look up Corey Ten Boom. And it is one of the most incredible stories that you'll hear. In the Middle East, where we all, most of us come from, churches are bombed. Um, Christians are captured and marked out. They're treated as second-class citizens. They're often tortured and murdered. Um, they're kicked out of their homes and they live in constant danger. Um, Today, this happens now. Um, I went to a missions trip in China in 2012 and preaching openly in China is illegal. Um, so whenever we would have a Bible study, we would sit around this TV, um, really close to the TV. There were eight of us um, and we would turn the TV up really loud next to us while we were reading the Bible and discussing it um, in quiet tones because we were afraid that the apartment that we were sitting in was bugged. Um, this is a true story. I was there in 2012, and this is what happened. Um, we knew that every church, there were only two churches in the town that were not underground. All the other churches, people were meeting in secret. This was in 2012 when I was there. Um, and in the back of the church, different soldiers sit in um, plain clothes uniforms so that you don't know who they are, and they feed back to the government everything that's being said inside that church to make sure it doesn't go against um, government propaganda or incite people to go against the government. That's happening right now in China. And it happened while I was there. Bibles are still illegal in many countries around the world, including North Korea. If you're found to have one in your possession, you could be jailed for a very long time or killed. Um, so that's 
those are the those are the conditions that the rest of the world is living in now and that people who have followed god from abel all the way to um, the christians in afghanistan under the taliban right now those are the conditions that um they've lived under right i want to read um second timothy chapter three if you can pull that up steve Chapter 3, from verse 10. Right? And this is Paul speaking to Timothy towards the end of his life. Second Timothy is the last book that, the last letter that he wrote um, before he passed away. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra which persecutions I endured, right? Yet from all of them, the Lord rescued me. Here's the kicker. Indeed, all, all, wherever, whatever time, whatever country, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you learnt it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work, right? He's saying anybody who wants to walk in that light that Jesus shines and shine it against the darkness and dark places, that person is going to be persecuted. If you want to keep your light hidden and you want to be quiet and you want to just go with the flow and live like everybody else in the world, then you're not going to experience any of that because the world has no reason to oppose you because you're not shining a light into the darkness. But as soon as you, and this is, this is what he says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life, um, not just to wear a badge that says Christian, but to genuinely follow Jesus and live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted, right? Um, so that's what, uh, I'm just going to read you this one off the cuff, right? Um, we live in a time of relative peace right now, but the Bible doesn't say that towards the end it gets better. It says that it gets worse. Um, in 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 4, it says this. Um, well, where are you now, Steve? 2 Timothy 3. Okay, just go up to the top. One to four. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving God, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Does this sound and look familiar to you in the world that we live in right now? Because um, this is the time that we're living in, right? Um, when we talk about oppression, like I, I can't go and see my friends um, and I can't ride my bike more than a certain amount and I can't um, go to school and I still get to go to work, but there's not many people there and I can't go to my favorite restaurant, whatever. That's that is oppressive, but it's not oppression, 
Um, and what the Bible calls oppression is, is this, is living in the light and experiencing the consequences of living as a light in a world that wants to keep darkness the status quo, right? Um, that's where the real oppression comes. And what Paul says is it comes for everybody who wants to live a life that's godly in Christ Jesus, that following Jesus has a cost. And Jesus says, hey, um, if you want to be my disciple, take up your cross and follow me. Um, there's a quote I read a few years ago that says, um, you know one thing about a man who carries a cross, that man is not coming back. Um, because you know that that man is going to go all the way to his death because that's what carrying a cross means. It means dying. It means dying to yourself. It means following someone, something all the way to the end. Um, and that's what Jesus is calling us to do. So this sounds a bit like hard and a bit doom and gloom and whatever, but what does Jesus say in response um, to all of that? Knowing that it's true, right? John 16, 33 says this. John 16, 33. I have said these things to you, not so that you freak out and so that you stop following and so that you think, nah, this isn't for me. I've said these things to you that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation or trouble, right? But take heart. I have overcome the world, right? Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you too, right? How do we expect that they hated Jesus, the most perfect person who ever lived? Um, and me, who is not perfect, oh, they're still, um, they're not, they're going to, they're not going to, they're going to love me, but, you know, um, they crucified Jesus. So that's just not how it's going to work. But he's like, hey, tribulation is here and it will come, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Um, this is in the end. That's why he says, pressed, but not crushed, persecuted, but not abandoned, right? Because Jesus has the final word in all of these situations from Abel all the way to what ISIS is doing to Christians now in Afghanistan, right? Jesus has the final word. And every time the church has been persecuted, it's scattered people. And those people carried the gospel like a seed blown by the wind to all these different parts of the world. And the church grew and became stronger, right? And you'll find that the Christians in those countries are as real, as real as it gets, because they are prepared for one of the Taliban to walk through the door and line everybody up against the wall and get shot, and they still meet anyway. That is such a challenge to me, right? Um, do we love Jesus enough? Um, do we know him well enough? Do we trust him enough that if this was to become something that really happened in our lives, which by the way, it could, right? We could go into a war. We could go a, a lot. So many things can happen. We're still young. And we've had a long, long period of time of just peace, um, even with all these crazy stories. We could be going into a time that is not peace over the next few years and really experience things like they experienced in the Second World War. We don't know, right? Um, but we know this. Jesus says, take heart. I have overcome the world. And he also says to us, I will never leave you or forsake you. And here's the thing. The storm is going to come anyway. Remember, Jesus tells that parable of the man building his house on the rock and the other man building his house on the sand. And it says that the storm came. It doesn't just say that the storm came to the guy whose house was on the sand. 
It says that the storm came anyway to both houses. It's just that when the storm hit one, it was built on the foundation that stood the test. And so it stayed standing. And when it hit the other one, there was no foundation. And so there was no nowhere to stand, right? Um, if I know that I'm going to be in a boat and there's going to be a huge storm, I want the boat that has Jesus in it. I don't care how big the storm is. I don't want to be in a boat that doesn't have Jesus in it. And that's the outlook that I have on this. It's like persecution can, does, and will come. Um, but persecution and hard times and horrible things are going to happen regardless. The storm is going to come anyway. But I want to be in the boat that Jesus is in when it does, um, because he's the only one who has control over that storm. Romans 8, 28 um, is one of the most beautiful comforts to all of these thoughts. Um, Steve, if you can pull it up, 8.28. It says this. And we know that for those who love God, all things, all things, all things, all things, okay? All means all, all things, including all of the horrible things, all things work together for good for those who are called according to to his purpose, right? There's no surprises for God. There's no, oh my goodness, like I, I let Jenny be born in Afghanistan and, and now the Taliban have invaded and Jenny's in trouble. No, Jesus knows where everybody is, what he's given them, what they can bear um, and what he can do through that situation um, for his glory and for that person's faith, right? So, all things means all things, sickness, health, peace, war, whatever. Um, God knows how to use all of it and is not surprised by any of it. Um, and he knows how to use it for good. And if he says that, then that should be enough for us. Um, now, I just want to read you two more verses and then we're done. That's it. Um, James 1 from verse 2 says this. Because of what Jesus, what, um, what Paul just said in Romans about how God works all things for good, right? James will say this, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, solid standing, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him, right? It's like these trials and these tribulations, they do something for us. Um, they push us further and further into relying on Jesus and not on ourselves and on what we see. Um, when I look around me, I'm like, man, everything can change in a moment. Life was just going along smoothly, and then bang, COVID came, and everything that you kind of trusted and relied on and were used to went away pretty much overnight. Um, so we're not to look at those things and trust in those things. Jesus is the only one who doesn't change. His will doesn't change. His calling for our lives doesn't change. His support and his faithfulness and his love and his grace and his forgiveness don't change. Our eternal destination doesn't change. His kingdom doesn't change. But everything else changes on this earth. So I keep my eyes fixed on the things that don't when everything around me starts to fall around me like, you know, it's getting smashed and 
the ground feels like it's opening up and wanting to swallow me. Um, I count it all joy because I know that those trials are doing something in my heart, in my faith and drawing me near to Jesus and that God is using them for good. Even if I don't know it, even if I don't see it, even if it ends up killing me in the process, God knows what he's doing. I don't, I can't see all of it, but I know that he's good and he loves me. And then if that's the case, then whatever happens next, um, he knows what he's doing. And I trust him in that. Because like you saw in Hebrews, not everyone who had faith lives. Um, not everyone who has faith gets to do the epic deed. Sometimes the epic deed is the dying. Um, and that's a, that's a confronting and, and sobering thought. Um, but when you see the faith that they had in so willingly going to do that, um, that's, the real, that's the real challenge. So just want to read you um, this last verse in 2 Timothy, where, again, Paul's dying, 2 Timothy 4. Paul is about to die, and he's telling Timothy how to live in light of all of the persecution um, that he's, he's experiencing and he's seeing and that he's going to see, right, from verse 1 to 8. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing and his kingdom. This is what he tells him to do in spite of everything that's going on. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. What's he saying? Shine the light, right? Shine, live in the light and shine the light. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. They don't want to hear it. But having itching ears, they'll accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. I don't want to hear the truth. I want to hear my truth, right? That's what this verse is saying. I want to, I want to put people around me who are just going to tell me what I want to hear. They don't want to hear the truth because the truth is a light that's shining into the darkness that they don't want to escape from. And they will turn away, verse 4, from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And then when you've done all that, you get to say what Paul says here at the end of his life. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. He's saying I'm about to die. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. And henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who love his appearing. Um, there's a reward on the other side. Um, and that reward is not going anywhere. But we all want to be able to say at the end of our lives, hey, I, I've, I've done my job. I faithfully um, run the race that was given to me. I've obeyed God um, at whatever cost. Um, and he's been with me in it the whole time. I've been in the boat that he was in. Um, I'm saying all this because um, we're not guaranteed anything. We live in a beautiful country that is, um, you know, amazing and safe. And we get to meet even the way that we meet right now on Zoom. Um, and, you know, we get to still be together and we're looking forward to opening up so that we can be together again. And yes, there are people who um, don't like us. And there are a lot of things that are anti-God and anti-Christ in um, Australia at the moment. But um, it's a far cry from everything else that the world um, and believers in the world have experienced 
um, over the decades and the, the millennia, um, and even in the world right now in different parts of the world. And we're not guaranteed tomorrow, um, but we're guaranteed that Jesus doesn't leave or forsake us. So I just want to put into perspective, I guess, what we're going through and that experience um, of being you know, locked down and, and having all these restrictions and pressures that are put on us. And, and they are hard and they are horrible and, they're, um, and I can't wait for them to end just like you. Um, but the Bible talks about oppression being um, real oppression, real persecution, um, not just being the government is locking me down, but um, the government is trying to, or anyone, not just the government, is trying to stop me from following Jesus. Um, and there are consequences when I go against that. And that's when I feel real persecution and real oppression. I guess the challenge to me from everything I've read and from everything I've said, because if you think I'm preaching to myself, you're not preaching to myself, then um, you've got to be kidding. This this challenges me just as much as it challenged any and all of you. Um, if, if this was the situation that we're in, and this is the situation that we may be in, um, how's my relationship with Jesus? Um, how's my faith? How is the way that I'm living? Do I shine a light or do I just blend in with the darkness that's around me? Um, if following Jesus has a cost, which it does, even if I, I never pay that cost with my life like so many of these other people have, um, am I willing to follow him and to pay that cost um, if that moment comes whenever he asks something from me, even if it's small, even if it's not my life, um, am I willing to actually follow him? and genuinely give up whatever I have to give up to do that. Um, that's the challenge to us tonight, um, to live in the light, to, um, to keep following Jesus, to look up at what is stable, not around us at what is falling apart, to focus on living for him and for his kingdom, not for this kingdom, um, and to walk to, in the light um, and to point people to Jesus as we walk and we invite them to come and to meet him. This life is short and eternity is waiting on the other side for all of us. So that's just something to think about, something to give us a little bit of perspective on how amazing the life that we're living now is in spite of all of the oppressive things that we're experiencing. Um, we should make the most of this time because we don't know how long um, it's going to last the way that it is. So just wanted to share that with you guys and um, just give a little bit of perspective and um, and a little bit of thought and a little bit of encouragement um, and challenge for all of us because um, that's just been what's on my heart while I've been thinking about this stuff. So um, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that your promise is that you will never leave or forsake us, Lord, that um, there's nothing that could ever happen to us that you haven't experienced before, Lord. Um, even death, Lord, um, you've been through that and you've come out on the other side and it has no power over you or over us, Lord. We just thank you that your promises are true and that you're faithful, Lord, and that um, if you're holding our hands, Lord, and if you're for us, then who could ever be against us, Lord? I just pray that you would give us courage, Lord, that you would give us time to reflect and, um, and to 
um, to just know where we stand with you, Lord, and um, to experience your love to such a degree that there would be absolutely nothing, nothing in this world that could ever um, make us want to turn from you in any way, Lord. And we just, um, we just thank you that that's what your love does to us, Lord. It transforms us completely. So I just pray that um, you would have your way in our hearts, Lord, that you transform us um, as, we, as we follow you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I can't see.